We're so glad that we're back with you this morning. Yes. After a couple weeks of just, it's not fun to be on the couch. You know, it's fun if you have time to just lay around and do what you want to do, but not when you don't feel well. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're glad to be back. Yes. Uh, And thank you to Pastor Ben on short notice. You know, we called him up and he works full time. He does youth ministry. He's like, Pastor Ben, could you preach for us on this Sunday? And so we heard that he, if we listened to his message, yeah. it was a great message about yeah. expectations. Yes. And uh, we heard some really good reports from several of you saying how it helped you. And so I hope that you came this morning with expectations. Yes. This is important that we don't come to church and just kind of sit there. Uh, I don't know, like we just think like maybe God do something. Faith has an expectation to it. That the Holy Spirit wants to say something to you this morning, particularly through the message. Amen. And we do believe that he will speak to you this morning through the message. Uh, so, like during our time home, uh, I downloaded a book on Kindle about a, a man who had a near-death experience. And, you know, sometimes when you're not feeling well, it's hard to concentrate on a book or reading. <laughs> but somehow near-death experiences and people, you know, going to the realm of heaven and even experiencing eternal life and eternal death mm-hmm. was just something that captured my attention. And then after I was reading the book, I said, you've got to read this book. So he starts to read. So anyways, we both read the book yeah. while we were gone that week. And uh, it's called Heaven, an Unexpected Journey. You should write that down because it's worth getting and reading. You may after we, because we're going to describe a little bit of what the man went through, I think it's going to pique your interest. Yeah, it's called Heaven and Unexpected Journey. But the man's name is Jim Woodward, um, and he tells of his life um, that he was a commercial pilot, flew all over the world, uh, you know, rose up in the ranks. He was in a commercial airlines, but he became, he was also a really good businessman. And so he invested in a lot of properties and businesses, and he became very wealthy. Uh, He had a yacht, he said, yeah. a small yacht. He said he owned a fleet of European sports cars that he just enjoyed having. He had his own airplane. He had horses, so yeah. he had land to have horses. So he really, he was a person who had a lot, had everything that really you could want in life. And he also said he felt very in control of his life, as you can imagine, yeah. and gave very little thought to how he had this success, except for his own wit and wisdom. To him, it was like, well, you know, I worked hard, I've accomplished a lot, and it was through my wisdom that I have all these things. And he tells of, and this is looking back, how he just lived with little gratitude and thankfulness for everything that he had, because he just accounted it all to his own effort and his own wisdom. His wife was a believer. She went to church she would often invite him to church, but he would just routinely decline, saying basically, like, that's your thing, it's not my thing. Um, but then one day, after being healthy, pretty much he said for all of his life, he began to develop these strange symptoms in his body that slowly over a week or two's time, at first he thought it was the flu, and he went to the doctor, the doctor just put him off, like, oh, it's, it is the flu, you'll get over it. But he began to become increasingly paralyzed by what was happening. And he describes what the diagnosis was Guillain-Barre syndrome, if any of you are familiar with that. But it's a virus that can literally paralyze your body slowly and up you know, into your lungs where you cannot breathe. And so they caught it 
in time to be able to give him some medication and stop the process, but not all of it. He still suffered, he said, excruciating pain, like all over his body. If, if, you, if you numbered it from 1 to 10, he said, I lived with a number 11 pain constantly. And even though he did make it through this Guillain-Barre uh, virus, he didn't come out of it all that great. He said, I still didn't even thank God that I had life and breath in my lungs. I just tried to tolerate this number 11 pain that I would live in. And they eventually prescribed him narcotics for the pain. And um, that was about the only thing he said that could take away a little bit of it for maybe a couple of hours where he felt like he could just tolerate life. Okay, so anyways, he's, one day he, he had this, his truck, he had properties that he was going to go out and he was going to sell some of them. He drives his truck out to the property, parks the car, and he's again in this excruciating pain. And the sun is setting and he has this bottle of, nar of the narcotics sitting there and he said, I knew I took whatever I was supposed to take for that day. In fact, he had been taking way more than what he should have been taking. He never told his wife, but he said, you know, the pain tolerance just got higher and higher, so he was taking more and more. He saw the bottle near his glove compartment, took the rest of it, and uh, he said within like a, a couple of minutes, his whole body just began to feel this burning sensation, and he thought he wasn't sure what was happening. The sun is setting, and he said, all of a sudden, I, be, I thought, I think I'm going to die. Like, like, maybe... He thought maybe he, the pain relief was going to come, but the pain relief never came. And he said, as I looked out over the sunset, somewhere deep on in the inside of me, I had this thought of, like, I have lived my life mm -hmm. in such a selfish way that I had everything a person could ever want, and somehow God came to his mind deep from the inside of him. Okay, and somewhere deep inside, he said, I, I, I cried out three simple words. I just put my hand up and I just said, God, forgive me. And he said, it, it felt like all of a sudden, this heavy, wet blanket, you know, that, that I lived in, the pain, he said, just lifted. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I have no pain. Like, what just happened? He thought that the pain medicine possibly took effect. And that was the reason that he felt so wonderful. But, he, and then he starts to realize, like, where am I? He starts to see himself in his truck. And he's thinking, who is in my truck? Right. All right. And so he said, uh, then, I can't go into all the details. You really have to read the book. Right. Um, but he said, I could feel myself. Uh, he felt like he, he had separated from his body, his spirit and soul. And he's looking at himself now in the truck. And then he said, then all of a sudden, I began to leave where I was. And I went in through what many people have described as this t tunnel. And he said, I'm flying through this tunnel. And as a pilot, you know, he said, I was able to almost perceive the speed I was going at. But there was no wind it's as though there was nothing blowing against my face, but he said, I was traveling at a miraculous speed. And he said, I, I entered through this tunnel of light, and when I finally came to the end of it, I came to a, a place of two scenes. And it was like two scenes. One was the edge of what he said I would, I would describe as like a just exquisite beauty, perfection. It really was heaven. It was like he said everything was bursting with life and color. 
And he said, and then it was as though there was a dividing line, and on this side, there was this dark, ghastly, horrific, hellish scene mm -hmm. that was just swirling with dark clouds. He, he said, I felt like I was looking into the horrors of hell at that point. And, and then this demonic creature begins to emerge from this swirling black clouds. And he said, I, it was so horrific, you know, fangs, mm -hmm. saliva dripping from its mouth. And it starts to call to him in this hissing voice, Jim, Jim, come quick, come. Come this direction, you belong here with us. <laughs> and he said, I was terrified because I felt like it was pulling me in that direction, and I could tell the tunnel behind me had just disappeared. There was only two, two ways that I could go, and I had no strength to resist where this thing was pulling me. He had, in the book, he talks about he was able to smell the stench of rotting flesh. On that, yeah. And that, and that this creature, he says that as much, you know, you're in a dream, he's trying to run away, but nothing's working. He said he felt the claws, the talons of this creature dig into his back and start pulling him closer and closer and closer. And then he, he says that he... He, he felt that he lost complete control and was unable to resist. And he cries out these three words, God help me. Instantly, he says, that grip on him loosened. He says the hissing uh, voices stopped, the darkness stopped, and immediately he looked up and he sees these lights coming toward him. These lights, all that nasty just faded right away. And all of a sudden, these three lights come. And these lights actually are these angels, he says, and he describes them in the book. He says two of them were 12 feet tall. And he says there was one that was 15 feet tall. And the, the, these emanated just a commanding regal appearance he said and there was this luminescence and glow of holiness coming from them and he was he says their size was magnificent and he was startled and they told him this they said fear not we're your constant friends <laughs> you'll have to read the book because to discover what he was able to experience in heaven it's remarkable. It goes into a better detail and describes even the clothes these, these angels were uh, wearing. And uh, the angels told him, they said, we've been with you since your birth. Do you remember what Jesus said? That the little children's angels are with in front of God all the time? Well, when you grow up, you don't lose your angels. This warring angel... It seems like the rest of the two guys deferred to this guy coming, the smaller guys, 12 feet tall, <laughs> came up to him and he was just mesmerized by the beauty of them and the size, again, he was just like crazed out by it. And the other angels deferred to this man, this angel coming. And the angel, all of a sudden, to Jim's surprise, he says, it actually bowed down to him. To Jim. to Jim and and Jim himself he said what how could this incredible being this holy angel 
bowed down to me, a, a, a sinner, a, just a, unworthy. And this is what it says in the book. The angel said this to him. He says this, Jim says, What I heard next humbled me beyond description. James, the, the giant angel said, Man was created by the very breath of God. The light of God's essence is in you. That light becomes tarnished with sin and turning away from God. But the light is still in you and all mankind. When we bow to you, we are honoring the light of God in you. And he goes on to say, I began to understand these powerful, majestic beings were in awe of us, of mortal man. The same light that lit up the garden of heaven and filled the angels was in me. What moved the angel to bow to me was not anything about me. It was the light of God within me. The host of heaven is in awe of us. We are precious and unique beyond mortal comprehension. And that lines up with scripture. Remember in 1 Peter it says angels want to look into the salvation that we have. God says that the ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. Yeah. So the book, you know, it just is so good. Yes, you want to um, get it. You want to read You want to read an interesting story, Heaven and Unexpected Journey. But we mention it, we tell this story in light of the focus of our message today. Mm -hmm. um, because we want to describe a moment that he had with Jesus that we feel is really relevant to the point of the message today. You know, we're talking about you in five years. Um, what we do with our life is so important because there was a moment in his experience uh, where one of the angels had this, you know, this, in his robe, it was like he pulled out a small book out of the sleeve of his robe and he opened it up for Jesus to read. Mm -hmm. And somehow Jim knew at that point that this book, as little as it was, <laughs> was a written record with all the entries in his, of what he did in his life to glorify God, basically. How did he, what did he do, anything for the work of the kingdom? Yeah. And he said when he saw it, and he saw how small it was, it was shockingly small. And thin. he realized how thin it was and how little was written on those pages. He said there were just sparse entries, you know, of any kind of kindness or love that he showed to other people in his life. Because he knew that even, when, even though he had all this money, very wealthy and anytime he gave money even to help someone, he was yeah. always doing it looking to get some kind of payback. Like right. it was always something that would come back to him to benefit him. And, and that even though he had so much, he just largely ignored the needs of other people around him. And so as he watched Jesus, you know, reading what was on the pages, mm -hmm. he immediately said, I felt this huge disappointment and regret and even just... He said, I felt crushed with shame at how I had lived my life. In light of everything I actually was given, now he realizes <laughs> yeah. God gave me the ability, but I, was, I did it all for my own glory. I did it all to satisfy myself. 
And as he's, Jesus is reading this small book, as he said, with only a few pages on it, the angel stand, there, standing, you know, at, at, in the presence, spoke to his thoughts. Right. And said, James, what did you do with the life my master gave you? <laughs> and he said, sadly, I, I, was, I was speechless. He stood there in front of Jesus with, and he could. He said he could feel Jesus's deep disappointment in the way he loved. He mm -hmm. he lived his life, and he is, again, there is so little written in that book. But what amazed Jim was that he didn't feel condemned. He said it was incredible. He could tell that Jesus had this deep love for him. And he was really amazed at the unconditional love that Jesus had for him. And in light of that, it made him to realize his own selfishness was just such a stark, pronounced reality that he was just, in a sense, in himself, he's crushed by the way he lived just a self-centered life, and he really didn't even think about God at all. And he, he even goes back to the point where he's thinking, this, this God just saved me from the eternity of hell and on such a thin, weak prayer. Six words is what he did. He said, in the truck, he says, God forgive me. And then when that demonic creature had a hold of him, it was God help me. He was just amazed that God would come to his rescue. And like he said, on such a thin prayer. <laughs> but Jesus sent him back. He sent him back. And this is what he said to him. James, my son, this is not yet your time. Go back and tell your brothers and sisters the wonders I've shown you. And you could imagine that this, this experience transformed his life completely, completely. He was determined to have a lot more written in the book the next time he sees Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I'm no longer going to be living for my own glory. I'm going to do what I can to advance the kingdom of God. And he continually throughout the book, he says, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a theologian. I'm just a guy. And he kept thinking, what do I have to give to people? You know? But now he's still alive. He's sharing with people what he experienced. And he wrote the book. And now he's, he's actually not living for himself anymore. He's living to advance the kingdom of God. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Please get the book. But, you know, think about it. This is, this is a very sobering thought. And it'd be smart for us to actually think about that moment. Yeah, because there will be a moment, the most important day of our life, yeah. you know, is yet before all of us. And we need to think about that because we're all going to one day stand before Jesus and give an account of our life. Yeah. What did we do with the life that God gave us? Did I live for myself or did I live for the sake of knowing him? And then making him known to other people, yeah. sharing his love, sharing the purpose of why we're here on the earth, and for the sake of salvation. And so it's a very sobering thought mm -hmm. 
But it's a very necessary thought. Wise for us to contemplate now. Amen? Yes. Like the title of this message, You in Five Years, this is part two. And by the grace of God, if you have five more years, what will you do with it? What will you do in the next five years? And we have to remember, you have the essence of God on the inside of you. Hallelujah. The breath and light of God, the life of God is what's enervating your body. It's what's making you, in him we live and move and have our being. Our life is really not our own. Our life in the earth is a gift to us. We're supposed to steward the life of God in a way that brings him glory and honor and peace and joy in our own life. Mm -hmm. And of course, for all eternity, uh, the blessings that come with that. And so think of how valuable your life is. You might not feel like it, but we don't walk by our feelings. We're walking by the truth in the word of God. Your life is valuable because the spark of God's life and essence is in you. I mean, every life for that reason is valuable. And it's because of what Jesus did. He did what he did for us, motivated by love. Mm. He paid the highest price for your life. The highest, his own death on a cross. That's what was necessary to redeem us, to buy us back. You know, he he described that, that horrific creature that was pulling him into hell. Well, we were all destined for that place. Yes. All dead in our sin. And if it weren't for the blood of Christ and what he did to purchase us back, that's where we'd be. And so as a gift, salvation comes to us as a gift. And then he takes us out, that salvation pulls us out of darkness, out of the grip of the devil, creates us into a new creation, gives us life and purpose and meaning for us to live now as a son or daughter of God. Think about it. Mm. You are a son or daughter of the living God. And we have a privilege to, to know him. Yes. (laughs) and to walk with him and to tell others about him, that's basically the rule of your life. Yeah. No matter what sphere of influence, work, you know, abilities you find yourself in, the bottom line is we are to make him known. Amen. In the workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, wherever we find ourselves. And we are not to bury this purpose, because we're warned also in Scripture through parables of the parable of the talents. There you go. That some are given, you know, different varying amounts of talents. It doesn't even matter so much the, what you're given. It's what you do with it. Yes. Don't bury it. We're warned, don't bury it and just be afraid. Because it didn't go well for the person yeah. who buried their talent, if you will, their gifts. And it's so easy to miss this truth. Isn't it? To just live for ourselves. Yeah. If you don't come and hear a message and you don't pay any attention to spiritual things, you just get on this treadmill of life and you do what everybody else is doing. You're working, you're paying your bills, you're having your family, you're going on your vacations and mm-hmm. all the things that people just go, go, go and do. The treadmill. Just Hamster like Jim. <laughs> you look at this man's life. Yeah. It's easy to be blinded and sidetracked by the pursuit of what the world calls success. Come on. 
Come on. And Jim had business sense. He had ability to make money, but the problem was he used it all for his own benefit. Yeah, his own He used desires. it all for his own glory and his own desires. You know, thank God yeah. he had a praying wife, a, a, a woman yeah. who was born again. Yeah. Thank God for that. You know, she prayed for him for years and years and years and years, and it seemed like nothing was happening, but <laughs> this is a prayer she prayed. She eventually prayed this prayer. Yeah. yeah. She said, Lord, if you must break Jim to remake him, do it. So you think, whoa, what kind of prayer is that? <laughs> It's, yeah. One thing is it's a dangerous prayer. <laughs> and the other thing is you'll get results from it. Yeah. Remember in the scripture, Paul s turned a gentleman over to Satan for the what? It says for the destruction of his flesh so that he can be saved in the end. Yeah. So that's actually a scriptural prayer. And it must, it, you know, at first it doesn't seem like it. But if you run those consequences all the way to the end. It's either eternal death or eternal life. And Jim was saying, thank you for praying that for me. Yeah, it's actually a loving prayer. For, it doesn't yeah. sound loving, but yeah, Jim in eternity would say, glory to God. Thank God you prayed that <laughs> Keep prayer. Keep praying. Why didn't you yeah. pray that earlier? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here we are. What do you want to be in five years? Really? What, we have great opportunities. I mean, thank God we're hearing it something like this today. And God is opening our eyes so that we can, whoa, I've just smacked myself up against the wall. I'm, I'm waking up here. Look what this says in Romans chapter 13. And this is out of the message paraphrase. We thought it was really, really very good. So, you know, look, guys, we have one life to live. That's it. And we've been given the breath of life from God. And so what do we want to do? We, let's fill up the pages. I don't want an angel pull out something. Here, this is, there's two words on this. Yeah, right. <laughs> I want volumes, man. Yeah. Pull out both sleeves. Yeah. We have the opportunity to do yeah. that because now we know. That's right. Now we know. We don't want to stay stuck. It's the start of a new year. Come on. We don't want to stay stuck in patterns and habits that aren't leading us closer to God. Yes. We could all do something this year, just one good habit that's going to lead you a little closer to God. Well, we're starting to, to read the yeah. New Testament yeah. in a year. I mean, it's not just so that you can quickly read one chapter and you're done. It's so that you can meditate on what that scripture says. God is always speaking. We just need to, just like what Pastor Ben says, we need our expectors on. We need, I'm expecting to come to church today, and I'm expecting to hear from God. Yeah. I am. I want to hear from God. When we write these messages, guess what? We're hearing from God. And this, these messages, just like the one I said about you know, getting rid of the negative self-talk, that, that scripture, that, that message was for me. I just shared it with you because it made a great effect on me. And now look what it says, Romans chapter 13. And this is the message. It's, it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. But it's just really, really good. 
here it starts off. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all of your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off oblivious to God. It's easy for us to do that, isn't it? Your daily life, you know, one thing after another, you're making all these decisions and, you know, your day can be filled up before you know it and you never even invited God in on it. That's right, you know, let's, let's don't lose sight of why we're here, who's living in us, and understand that you've got companions that you can't see right now that follow you everywhere. Yeah, That's great. pretty cool. <laughs> We've heard a story about a gal that was a missionary in the Philippines. And she and another gal were going to go down uh, and walk a path that was leading to a meeting that they wanted, but there were robbers on the road. She and the other girl, they just kept walking. You know, they just simply said, Lord, help us. We We need to get there. Well, guess what? She got there and she happened to see these robbers on the road that were at the meeting too. And they came up to her and say, who were those big fellas that were with you? (laughs) Here we are. This is reality for us, guys. It's a reality. Look at what it goes on to say here. This is still from this message. Uh, Paraphrase, Romans 13. It says, the night is about over and dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God's doing. Yeah. God's putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Amen. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity, in indulgence. And like, yeah, you say, well, what's frivolity? It's just like, it's, I looked it up because I thought, what, how people understand this. It says it's just clownish and foolish and silly behavior. And immediately I thought of... Me? No, I thought of... <laughs> I thought of all those videos on YouTube and TikTok that people are making oh. thousands of dollars on that just are... What's the point, you know? <laughs> when it says, don't squander these precious daylight hours mm. in frivolity and indulgence in sleeping around in dissipation... Another word that we need to def, uh, define, dissipation mm-hmm. basically is behavior of just overindulgence in, in, in sex, in, in spending money, in eating, in drugs. It's just dissipation. You're just overindulging mm-hmm. in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Yeah. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. That's good. Scripture. And so this, our prayer really is often like this for the church. God, keep us all awake on purpose. Yes. You know, stir us up to good deeds, you know, to, to see what our, the point is about our life. Don't help us not to be squandering what yeah. we have yeah. every day, 24-7. You know, it's very easy to just go, oh, another day. Well, this is the day the Lord's Come made, on. right? <laughs> well, rejoice and be glad in it. Don't waste, it says there, don't wait to the last minute. You can make a fatal mistake by waiting. 
and putting off and just putting off. And, yep. and we always think we have tomorrow. But like it says in James, what is your life? It is yes. a wisp and a vapor. Because <laughs> not everybody had the opportunity that Jim had. And, I, and it's right. as though God in his mercy gives him this experience. He writes a book and now he speaks about it. For people like us to go, huh, take heed. Yes. Think about these things. I still have time. Amen. Glory to God. And, and you're here today. Yes. Thank God you're here today. And God has a word for you. This is the word. It's like what Pastor Ben yeah. was preaching about. Come with expectation. God wants to speak something personally to you. And he is speaking to you today. Again, back to that scripture. He says today, God is telling you, don't waste a minute. And here's the truth of it all. Some of you, like Jim, have a lot of catching up to do. But thank God, our eyes are open today to see it. Yes, amen. I mean, really, when you a, think about it, it's a great day in your life. That's a gift, yeah. It is a gift. You know, the next five years, we have the ability to make some tremendous advancements in knowing and sowing fruits of righteousness, Amen. We keep sowing those seeds and sowing those seeds. But here's the key. <laughs> Remember that thing? The road to hell is paved with good intentions? Yeah. We're not talking about just having good intentions here. Uh, because good intentions aren't enough. And we're all guilty of this. You know what? Let's just be honest. You know, I'll start tomorrow. You know, the game's on. I'll start tomorrow. You know, it, and it's easy to feel good about your intentions, isn't it? That's a good thought. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but good intentions do not change the direction of your life. They right. don't. Yeah. They don't determine the direction of your life. It's your everyday habits that change the direction of your life. Yeah. Habits today... Yeah will actually shape who you become tomorrow. Yeah, that's really a great thing to remember. The simple habits that you have today are shaping who you will become tomorrow. True. It's really the law of sowing and reaping from Scripture. Look at Galatians 6, 7 to 9. It says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And so whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. There you go. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. That is so good. So let us not become weary there you go. in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Scripture says, don't be fooled that God is not mocked. You know, a literal translation of that is basically, don't be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and the words are really strong. Yes. I mean, when you, when you read this, like Paul's words, he, he writes inspired by the Holy Spirit, they're, they're strong. You he, get two he, options. Yeah, you're, There's only two options. It's yeah. If you go back to Deuteronomy, God told the children of Israel, really in a sense, the same thing. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And he says, well, choose life. He's inviting us to do the same thing. 
They're strong words, but it's a good wake-up call, huh? If we sow to the flesh, that means your sinful nature, just you know what it is, and so do I. It will reap destruction. It will. But on the other hand, if we sow habits of the Spirit, you know what are we going to reap? We're going to reap what? Eternal life. The kingdom of God is joy, peace, and love in, in the Holy Ghost. I mean, this is, I want that. You know? Here's the key. If you don't like what you're getting, well, then look to see what you're planting. What are you planting? What are you planting? If you don't like the, the, the fruit you're getting in your relationships, well, uh, start sowing better seed. If you don't like your financial situation, well, God has a lot to say about your finances. So let's start sowing good seed for that. If you don't like where you are spiritually, let's start sowing seed. This is why we're doing this on the, for a year in the New Testament. Jesus says, my words are spirit and they are life. So if we are starting to read the word, guess what's coming into us? The life, eternal life. Yeah. If you don't like what you're reaping, change what you're sowing. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a while. This is why oh, scripture guaranteed. says, don't grow weary in well-doing. It takes a while for a seed to produce fruit. And in our own life to see a harvest of righteousness. Yes. But the Holy Spirit is within us to help us not to quit. Come on. Because we're going to be tempted to quit. And we all know that. You know, when we don't see results, that's what I was saying a couple weeks ago in this message. That's, that's one of the flaws in our thinking. It's like we want this instant result. Mm. And so we don't see it in a week. Oh, I read the Bible for one week and my life still is falling apart. Well, it's going to take longer <laughs> than one week. <laughs> you know, it says we'll reap in due season. Seasons sometimes take time. Time in a season. Yes. It, but the... But, we cannot give up because we're, why would we go backwards? We have to just keep sowing yes. towards the, the fruit that we want. And actually, you will reap more than what you sow. That's important. And we say that because God doesn't just go seed, you know, and, and a, a one harvest for one seed. He multiplies it. Amen. Mark's gospel tells us that. Mark chapter 4, this verse in verse 20, 420, it says, other seed that is sown on good soil, hear the word, like seed sown on good soil. These are people who hear the word, accept it, and produce the crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Hallelujah. Think about it. One seed can reap 30, 60, or 100 times what was planted. It's yeah. like if you plant one seed for the sake of a tree, you get a tree that would produce fruit. Think of all the seeds that are in that fruit yeah. and all the other seeds that could get planted to produce an orchard, basically. Amen. And, you know, when I think about how does this play out in your own life, uh, I think about for myself, for us, like the simple seed of prayer seeds. Yes. Are powerful. And I think about those prayer seeds, simple, that I prayed over my children as they were growing up. When I discovered that God watches over his word to perform it. Yeah, and if I hallelujah. want God's harvest in their life, then I need to pray his will into their life. And so I just took, like I say, Colossians 1, starting in verse 9. Yeah. Because you can't just pray prayers like, well, now I lay me down to sleep oh. with your kids. I mean, it's not going to go very far to produce the will of God in their life. 
But I would just pray, God, I pray you fill my children, like Ben and, and Hannah, with the yeah. knowledge of your will. You know, that they would live in a manner worthy of you. And they would bear fruit in every good work and grow in the knowledge of you. And then yes. they would, you know, go with endurance and give thanks that they're children of God. Is basically Strengthened what with that, God's power. Strengthened with God's power is basically what yeah. that prayer was about. At bedtime with them, and then during the day when I'd think about it, just utter it. Just utter it. And I thought, just a seed. Just a simple seed. But consistently yeah. prayed over the years. And not only did it produce a harvest of righteousness just in their own individual life, but I just look at the, the compounding effect that prayers like that have by way of godly marriage and, yeah. and families where they're raising their children to know God. And they're seeking God's plan and purpose for their life. And the children are doing that. And yeah. then their social relationships are affected. Think of that. And, and they're sharing their faith with other people. And then those seeds just get planted there and, and produce in someone else's life. Come on. This, there's a compound effect when we plant these kinds of seeds. Amen. That produce a harvest far beyond one single thing that you think that you're doing. Yeah. And actually there was a book called The Compound Effect that someone wrote. Yeah. And, and he said this, that... The basic gist of the book was small, smart choices done consistently plus time yeah. <laughs> will eventually equal a radical difference in your life. Think about that. It's just small, smart choices done consistently over, over a, period a period of time, time will do some radical changes in your life. Like sometimes people look at someone's life that's been walking with God and go, wow, you know, I, I, I want what you have. And they don't realize all the seasons this person has gone through to persevere and to the hold on to the things of God and to not quit. Yes. Now we look at a fruitful season and we think that must be easy, but it's not easy. And it's, it's really important for us to know that you reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. Yeah. And you reap after you sow. Yeah. And some of you have made choices um, this past year to sow to the Spirit. In fact, uh, we just want to close with a couple of testimonies because uh, it was a few weeks ago whenever I sat down here before church started and Emily tapped me on the shoulder and she's like, it's been one year since I came to, to the church. And I said, that's awesome. She's like, this is my one-year anniversary. And I said, so how has your life changed at all since you've come to church? And she started to just say these things, and I said, okay, Emily, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have you get up and come, give her a hand as she comes yeah. up. I want her to just share a few things. Yeah. Testing one, two. So just, I'll give you the microphone because I have one, too. So just let them know who you are and, you know, your children and when you came yeah. and, and what's been happening this past year and why. What's, what's produced the transformation? There's a lot, so I'll try to be brief. <laughs> um, but my name is Emily Eldridge. I'm actually on our media team. I do our Facebook and our Instagram. So just a quick plug. Make sure you're following us and sharing Yay. all the Um Because I want people to come here because they're like, no, I saw something on Facebook. You know, this looks like a fun church. Yeah. I want that. That's kind of my mission with that. That's my heart for our social media. But um, my kids, Owen and Ben, are in kids' church. And I started coming here a year ago. Um, actually, Amy and Norm invited me to come. And so just a, a real quick background. I grew up Catholic. And so... I went to church every single Sunday. If we didn't, we had to go to confession because you were going to go to hell. That's just what we were taught. And it's, I mean, it's, it's not funny, but it's true. That's, that's what I learned. And I didn't learn to have 
a personal relationship with God. God was just kind of this like being in the sky that was like casting down judgment. And if you faltered, you were done. Like you were just going to hell. There was no forgiveness unless you went to confession. And so um, in 2016, I was, I accepted Jesus at a house church. Um, Sorry, I'm nervous. No, that's all right. You're doing a good job. I'm nervous. Um, No, this this was good. I'm glad that you asked me because I was like, no, are you crazy? And God was like, yeah, you'll do it. So here we are. It's glorifying Um, God. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, But (laughs) so I was saved in 2016 and um, I accepted Jesus and I was just like, yay, I'm saved. And that was kind of it. Like I didn't really do anything with that. I went to the house church. Um, I think we did it Friday nights. The food was great, and that's why I went, right? (laughs) And we learned a lot, but, like, I just kind of left it there each week. Like, I wasn't Mm. doing anything throughout the week to learn or to have an intentional relationship with the Lord. And so I came here, and it was just, like, being embraced by everybody was, it was just amazing. Like, I I was nervous to come into a new place, but then I sat down. It's like I've been here already, you know, like, for a year, and it was just crazy and so my kids have learned so much in kids' church. Um, in fact, on the way here this morning, Benny was singing, um, I don't know if you know the song Gyra, yeah. but the, the lyrics are, I will be content in every circumstance. And Ben's in the back. And he said, I will be a tent, and then something about pants. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Jaiwa, you are enough. And so, Aww. and he said, Mama, I'm talking to Jesus. Aww. And it's like, they're looking at me and what I'm doing I sit down in the evenings, I read my Bible, and they're, you know, doing all the things around me, but they're seeing me do it, and they're doing it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at night, yes, we pray that now I lay me down to sleep. Well, Ben, (laughs) no, it's fine. Ben screams it, so God hears it. But but at the end, I I put my hand on their belly, and I pray. And so Ben now knows, like, he takes my hand and puts it on his belly, and we pray. Because I don't want to teach them that God's this big guy in the sky that we're afraid of. Like, I want them to be intentional. And so all of that to say, just being here this year through prayer and knowing my worth and my identity yeah. is in the Lord. And it's not, you know, I mean, before I was saved, I call those my pre-Jesus days because I don't even know that girl anymore. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't even relate to that yeah. anymore. And yeah. so I just, you know, my, my worth and my identity came from the man that I was dating. Like that's just kind of what I believed and now it's, that's not even close. Like, my identity is in the Lord. Hallelujah. And so coming to prayer, like, you don't have to be nervous about it. If you don't want to say anything the whole time, don't. But I felt like, no, I can because I'm worthy. I don't know my Bible super well. I don't know this. Like, I can't pull a scripture out and, and just say it. I have to look at it. But I was able to share that. There was no judgment. There was no nerve or anything. It's just you can just speak it. Yeah. And so that was so great. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, just, you know, kind of coming to the close of your question, I'm sorry. God's so cool because I was reading John this month, and so John is 21 chapters, and I'm thinking, where am I going to go after this? And last week when you're like, okay, we're starting on the 22nd, I was like, God, you're so cool. Like, that was for me. That was for me. Now I don't, I don't have to know where to go. I'm just going to start the New Testament yeah. and read. So it's just been, it's been amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> And, you know, she's saying that all that happened within a year, within a year. Wow. Already seeing fruit in your life just through consistency in a year. I have, we have one more person we're going to take time. Amy, come on up. This is Amy Struss. Yes. <laughs> Amy, also during that time, whenever Emily was saying about my year here, this was a couple weeks ago. Well, Amy chimed in at the same time. She said, I want to tell you, too, that 
I've been reading through the Bible. You know, we started the Bible project reading plan through the whole Bible yeah. last year. Mm -hmm. And you were saying, I had never done that. Okay, yeah. I, I never done, 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 done that. No, I want to tell you, I've been in church my whole entire life. And the reason we come to the front is because my parents came to the front. So we don't sit in the back. <laughs> the anointing's stronger the in the front, don't we you know? Always, <laughs> we always came to the, the front. Um, and... You know, one of the things that um, I want to say about about me is that um, people that do know know me, um, I'm not a great re reader. Actually, I don't really read anything, you know. And and so, and so, especially um, reading the Bible. And so, this past year, we decided that that's what we were going to do. And oh my gosh, it was like I was like shocked. So I remember whenever uh, Norman and I. We're, we're, we're dating, and then we got married. Norman's my mother had come to the Lord probably several years or so before that, and when she got to know, got to read the Bible, she said, "This is a dirty book. I'm not going to read the Bible." <laughs> well, I never read the Old Testament, you know. So when we went through the the book, and it was like, "Oh my gosh, Norman, she was right." <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, there's so much sex in there. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways. Now everybody's going to say, oh, I'm going to. Sign me up. Eyes. It really has opened my eyes. And especially when we, as, as I can remember, when we got to the book of Isaiah, it was like, oh, my gosh, God will have his way. Amen. He will. I was like. And so then we got into the New Testament, especially in the Revelations. It was like, there's heaven and there's hell. And you better make a choice. Yeah. Yeah, amen. That's awesome. Yeah. Amen. So it was, yeah, yeah. So for right now, that's all I can remember. All right, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I can't wait to be able to go through this again. Yes, see, that's awesome. Thank you awesome. so much. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Glory to God. So it's never too late to begin if you've not. Yeah. And again, we're not reading the Bible just for some brownie point with the Lord. Right. We're getting to know our master, our savior, the lover of our soul. Yes. And so I would encourage every single one of you. The New Testament is really the covenant that we live under. There's the old covenant and the new covenant. We want to know the covenant yes. rights that we have as a child of God. It's like a, it's a will, the yes. will and testament. That's it. If somebody left you something in the will, wouldn't you go to the run of the lawyer and say, tell me what I have. Tell me what I've, I've been given. Yes. Well, that's really what happens when you read the new covenant, the new testament. You know, we, we need to really let this hit us and understand that there's going to be one day we stand before Jesus. It's, a, it's like Pastor Mamie said, the most important appointment that we have is yet in our future and we have to understand that God's not mocked you reap what you sow you reap more than what you sow and you reap after you sow and we've got to understand that the habits we do today will determine and define who we are tomorrow if we are, do small, consistent things, God-honoring things, yeah. 
advancing his kingdom over time, that will give us a harvest of righteousness. So ask yourself this morning, do you like the direction that your habits are taking you? What habit maybe do you need to leave off and go, that, if I keep doing that, I will not find myself closer to God in a year or in five years. I, sometimes it doesn't take very long to wander. What habit could you do? And I would recommend if you did one thing that you would connect yourself to the Word of God this year. Yes. Because it'll open up so much. The Holy Spirit can do so much whenever we take time to want to get to know Him. Because this is eternal life. Scripture says this is eternal life, is to know God. Well, He gives us the privilege in the day, 2024, that we live in. We have so much access to the Word of God. And small, consistent effort. The New Testament in one year is not going to be hard. There's a great devotional attached to it that actually will help you understand what those chapter or two is about. We need application. It's not just knowledge. We need to be able to apply it in our life, and then we see the transformation happen. And so ask yourself, Lord, show me any areas of my life, you know, where my habits are taking me away from you. And then, God, I pray you give us wisdom to encourage, to admit it, to confess it to you. Do it right now. And plant seeds of righteousness. Tell them I want to plant seeds of righteousness. God, I pray you tell us based on who you want us to become. We sang that song at the beginning of the service. I am who you say I am. Yes. Well, show us, Lord, what one habit you want us to start so that we can become who you made us to be. What habit do you want me to stop? God, help us to be trained to become us to be. We want to sow seeds of righteousness in our life. And then God, I pray you give us patience. Give us endurance. Give us courage to do the right thing. Even when nobody's looking, and maybe especially when nobody's looking. Help us, Lord, to walk in a way that's worthy of you. You know, when you take a look at your own life, an objective, kind of honest look at your life, we have to admit there are things that uh, we're ashamed of. There's things we're embarrassed about. There's things that make us feel guilty. And scripture calls those things sin. We miss the mark of holiness. And all of us, every single one of us, have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Only Jesus, the one who was without sin, He died on your behalf to pay your sin debt. He died on that cross. He was buried. But God raised him up. The Bible declares God raised him up from the dead when you and I were justified before God. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been or how bad we feel about ourselves, when you call on the name of Jesus, instantly, Just like what happened to Jim when he asked, God help me. Instantly. We just come to Jesus now and just simply say, Jesus, help me. I want to walk with you all the days of my life. I want to walk away from these bad habits. 
I want to start sowing seeds of righteousness in my life. And I want to be consistent with it. I want to make wise choices. I ask you to help me, Jesus. Help me. And he will. We just come to Lord Jesus, forgive us our sins. Cleanse us. Purify us. With the washing of the water of the word of God. Cleanse us by the blood you sacrificed for me. Today, I'm making a choice to give you my life. And I ask you to empower me, fill me with your spirit, that I might bring glory to your name forever and ever. If that's you, if you want to be saved today, I'm asking you to raise your hand high enough so I can see it. Then you can put it right back down and we follow through, and you'll be saved. Your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Those angels will rejoice. It says, when somebody comes to Christ, all of heaven rejoices. I'm all for it. It's, it's a reality. Anyone at all. spoke to us today, didn't he? Yes, he did. <laughs> and we're going to go past good intentions. We're going to be doers of the word. Amen? Empowered and strengthened by his spirit.